I'm going, why I picked the songs I picked tonight, and why we sang those songs, because I believe that everything should go together so that you leave here is the beauty of a spirit-filled life, a relationship with the Father. The beauty of a spirit-filled life is a relationship with the Father. You know, the Bible says that we have been reconciled back unto Him in 2 Corinthians 5. And not only do we have a reconciliation, salvation, where He brought us back to Him, but we have a reconciliation ministry. That's what we're to preach and minister to people. We should look at them and see them as someone that is estranged from God and to bring them back into the family, amen, to bring them back to God. God has to do that, but he uses us to do it, to preach the word and minister the word and love people. And, you know, people, uh, I want you to understand tonight, I shared this last night, I said there are not four gospels, there are five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Roger. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jonathan. Because there are people that will never, ever, ever, they haven't read, I shouldn't say never will, but they haven't read the Bible, they don't go to church, they don't know nothing about God, and you're the only gospel they see. So in, in all true honesty, you're the first gospel that they see. They see the love of God, they see the power of God, they see in you. So it's very important that we walk in the Spirit so that people will see Christ and they'll be drawn because don't they deserve to receive what you have? Amen. What God has done in us, Lorenzo, they deserve that too. You know, he died for them too. And so we have to look at them in that light and through that lens and say, God, help us, you know, to, to minister and be a walking epistle, a walking gospel. Uh, let's uh, read the word of God here tonight. Romans 8 verse 14 and it says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Have you ever cried, Abba, Father? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you know I'm a child? You're a child of God. You have a witness in your spirit that you are. Doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about you. When you know you're saved, it doesn't matter what they think. Doesn't matter their opinion. Now, we shouldn't live a slipshod life that would cause them to, you know, uh, you know, bring a disgrace or reproach to Christ or the Word of God or God. But, but sometimes people don't believe what God has done in your life. But it doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God. Thinks And what matters greatly to you is what you've got down deep inside of you, which is a witness. He's here. Amen. He's here. I feel him. He's here. And so he said, and if uh, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, verse 16, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may all be also glorified together. And he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let's pray. 
Father, I ask you tonight in this opening prayer for the word is very important. And I ask you to help me and surface everything that you have spoken to me the last two days in prayer and the word and everything that needs to come to the surface. Please speak this through me. Help me, Lord, not to to get uh, off track, Lord, or go down a bunny trail or anything, but just follow the cloud and the leadership of the Spirit of God to preach and to teach, to minister to this congregation tonight because, Lord, I want them to know your word. And I'm asking you to give me, Lord, the practical application here or what it is to us practically that it's just, it's just simple. It's not uh, something, Lord, that, that is... Is, is not of great deep value or profound, but God, you minister to us as children and, and you make it simple so we can understand. And so I'm asking you to do that tonight and anoint these lips of clay and minister to this congregation of people and God will give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I entitled this The Beauty of a Spirit-Filled Life, A Relationship with the Father. You know, I've been Uh, teaching on the portraits of a spirit-filled personality. Well, the Lord just took me here in Romans, and I started reading until he told me to stop. And so I just, I love the book of Romans. But this particular passage that I read to you is a most beautiful scripture because it speaks of our relationship with God and specifically the Father. And this relationship is critical to our spiritual life and walk. Because you see, the New Testament birth revealed, however you want to phrase it, a new concept of God as Father. You don't see that in the Old Testament, but you do see it uh, in the New Testament a lot. You see, Jesus began to debut uh, that the, uh, about the Father, and He introduces us to God as a Father. And it's, it's for a reason and a purpose And I'll explain that to you in just a little bit. But you see this new concept or this new revelation of God as a father. He is now a spiritual father that can be touched. Because we're people who are spiritual people that that's how we understand and connect and communicate with God is spiritually. We feel His presence. I know we worship Him, but everybody loves, I believe they do, loves to feel God's Spirit and feel it often. Amen? And so, but, but we have this new spiritual understanding of God as Father and uh, a God that can be touched. Uh, a God that is not afar off, but He's near. A God that is not untouchable, but He's felt. And Jesus introduced us to the Father. He introduced us to a new prayer. When you pray, pray, Our Father which art in heaven. And Paul and Peter and John all addressed God as Father in the New Testament. They did. And I believe God set this up because, number one, it's the divine order, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But we see in the Trinity that there is God the Father. Number two, I believe that we need a familiar understanding or God made it a familiar understanding that is like our father-child relationship. We can, we can identify with that. Some of us didn't have good fathers. Some of us had awesome fathers. And whatever category you're put into, all I know is this, that, 
That wasn't God's fault if you didn't have a good father. But I assure you this, you've got a good, good father who knows everything about you and he loves you and me. And he developed it and, and designed it this way so that we would, we would correlate God or connect with God or identify God as a father. And he is a good, good father. It's familiar to us. But the one promise of the father that Jesus said was that we as believers had a promise. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. The promise of the father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the baptism of the Spirit. That's the promise of the father that Jesus spoke about. And as far as I know, and I've read this Bible cover to cover, especially the New Testament, I don't ever read of Jesus saying any other promise but that promise. And that's all we need. If we have the Spirit of God, we have everything that we need. Of course, we need the Word. And of course, we need, you know, we have this, this great uh, connection with God to pray, a spiritual grace, I call it. But the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, if you've got the Spirit in you and the Spirit upon you and the Spirit of God leading you and the Spirit of God working through you and out of you, I promise you that you have everything that you need. Amen. He's all we need, which is the Holy Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But in 1 John 3, 1, 1 through 2, he says, Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What an awesome thing to be said. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. But beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is God knew just what and how we needed what we needed to grasp a spiritual relationship and experience with God we understand from the youngest age who our dad is when my when my son walks through the door my little granddaughter Charlotte she sees him and she just gets all excited she at one and a half years old knows who her father is and she knows who her grandpa is too. Amen. Bump up against her and tell her, just remember, I got a little bit more money than he does. Amen. We can do a lot more and accomplish a lot more if you hang out with me. I just promise you that. So, but, but now we can look spiritually at the Father with an identity. We can love him, we can respect him, we can honor him, we can submit to him, and we can walk by his influence. That's an awesome thing. He said, Pastor, isn't it Christmas time? Let me share something with you. Even with Jesus coming on the scene, you begin to see how God allowed him to start as an infant and to grow up, and he learned through obedience what he was supposed to do by doing what the father said to do. He said, I don't do anything independent of my father. I do what he tells me to do. So God was showing us just by things that we should catch in the word of God. Some things are caught more than taught. He was obedient unto his father. And that's the relationship that he is really uh, inferring to us through things that we don't even see that are silent in the Bible. You don't read a lot about Jesus from the age of 12 to 30 until he went into a, uh, his earthly ministry. But I can tell you that he had a relationship with the Father and he taught us that. 
And so, but we look at the Father with an identity now. We walk by His influence. And there are answers only a Father can give. There are answers only the Holy Spirit will give you and me. And Paul needed this for his his, uh, quandary in the 7th chapter of Romans uh, was answered by the Holy Spirit being the answer. In Romans chapter 7, okay, we're going to get to ultimately our relationship with God as the Father, and it's a spiritual, powerfully spiritual thing. But Paul, he begins to talk about our redemption, how we were purchased, how, you know, all of these things in Romans. You, there's so much there. It's an awesome book. But you get to the seventh chapter, and you read verses 15 through 25, and you see this quandary. You see this this controversy that he has between the flesh and the spirit. And I'm just going to touch on this for a moment just so I can bring you into the beautiful beauty of the spirit of God and how wonderful it is for as a remedy for this problem. Here's the problem. And Paul speaks of it. And uh, it's not even really a problem. It's a law. Okay? If you understand what a law is, it's a fixed Thing It's a fixed force. Uh, just like gravity is a fixed force. People say, I don't believe in gravity. I said, well, get up on the roof and jump down and you'll believe. I believe. I fell off a 20-foot ladder. I've been in a plane. I know, what it, I know you can drop and your stomach goes through the floor with, the, with that, that force. And, 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 and because gravity is real, it's a law. You got it? It's a law. So in in Romans 7, verse 15, he says this, For that which I do, I allow not. He's talking about the sin and the flesh and things that he does. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would or what I want to do, that do I not. But what I hate, that I seem to do. Or he says, that do I. He says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. But now then it is no more I that does it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, no dwelleth no good thing. For to will or desire to do it is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I don't do, or I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. What he's saying is, I want to be a spiritual person. I want to be a person that, that doesn't do the evil, sinful, wicked things. And there's a desire down deep within me that wants to be righteous, that wants to be godly, that wants to do the right thing, but it seems like the things that I want to do, I can't, and the things that I don't want to do, I seem to do. Anybody been there? Yeah. But he said, For the good that I would, verse 19, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Make a note of that scripture. I find then a law, I find then a law, not Moses' law, not the Ten Commandments, but a law. Sin is a law. 
Are you hearing me? It is a law. The, the consequences of sin are even a law. Does anybody here know somebody that is not here anymore that didn't die? Everybody died. Now, I know that the Bible says Elijah and uh, was, was transformed Enoch, okay? But what I'm trying to say to you is personally, you and I, they're the only two exceptions. You, you see this law of sin, this forceful power, which is a law. It's sin. Every one of us deals with it. Nobody in here doesn't deal with it. Every one of us, if we got up on that roof and jumped down, the law of gravity applies to every one of us. It's a law. There's only one way that that can be overridden. If you have a parachute or you have a helium balloon, well, even a parachute, you're still going to fall. But if you have a helium balloon, you will not fall. You will go up. Because the only thing that can, that can defy a law is an overriding law. So the law of density overrides the law of gravity. That's how a plane can get up in the air with 200 people on it and thousands and thousands of pounds of weight because there's enough air to bring a buoyancy or uh, density up in the air. It's capsulized with enough power behind it in those jets. And the law of just physics, it'll fly through that air and it defies gravity. I'll never forget when I was a kid watching the Planet of the Apes. You know the old one. The old one. We're talking Charlton Heston. I know some of you don't even know who that is. But he, you know, he's the real deal because he was Moses. Amen? I remember them apes said, nobody can fly. And he grabbed that piece of paper and put it in. And he went, and he just flew right past them. They were just like, yeah. That's the way people are with the sinful nature. They'll never stop doing drugs. And then they get saved and get born again and they stop. And they go, there's a power of God in his spirit, in your life, in my life. Now we're going somewhere. But he said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched. He, he comes to this place and he goes, I am in total despair. I feel like there's no hope. But he says this. Now, he didn't say there's no hope, but he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. That's where some people are. They say, am I ever going to change? Is this ever going to change in my life? I can tell you, Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's a question. Where does that scripture come from? What was he alluding to? Whenever a person was a criminal or they wanted to persecute them or they wanted to punish them, they would take a person who was worthy of punishment and they would attach to them or chain to them a dead body. I can tell you, you are attached to a dead body too long, you'll die yourself. And he was alluding to that and saying in the scriptures here, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. 
Oh, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, that's who. Well, how is he going to do it? By the power of his spirit. Listen. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. But I want to tell you something. This flesh can even be pulled into submission unto righteousness and holiness unto God. And he talks about that in the 8th chapter. And we're going to go there in just a minute. But I want you to, to know this. Paul in verses 15 through 25 is vocalizing his frustration, his fight, his struggle, the heartache of the battle with a sinful nature. And that could be a lust, that could be covetousness, that could be an addiction, that could be the fact that you can't keep your mouth shut, you gossip so much. That could be a person that just cannot tell the truth, all they do is lie. Some people say, I can't get control over my eating. I can't get control over alcohol. I can't get control over the drugs. I can't get control over porn. I can't get control. Yes, you can. You're, what you're saying is that, oh, hallelujah. What you're saying is that the law of sin is real, but God's power is not real. And that's a lie because the, the law of God's power is real too. The law of the Spirit of God. So we realize this, that in verse in chapter 7, what Paul is saying is, it is indeed a law, sin. Sin and death is a law. It is. It is a force. It is a power. It is ever existent, though at times it can lay dormant. So there's even people that aren't even saved that said, yeah, I quit drinking for about two months. So that that power over them was brought to a place of dormancy. But they're still lost. Amen. Down deep inside, they still wanted to do it. Now listen, I'm going somewhere. We would be hopeless in despair if not for Romans chapter 8. I'm so glad that Paul didn't stop writing and put the end. But he goes right into the 8th chapter. Praise the Lord. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, that's another law, that's your overriding law, that's your law of density, your law of buoyancy. He said, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, the sinful nature is a law. It's a power. It's a force. It's an existence. But so is the power of God. Greater power. I'll get to it. Greater power. He said, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... In other words, you trying to make yourself right and good and holy and righteous, you could never do it. We could never do it. They couldn't do it in the Old Testament. God did it through His Son. He said, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He broke the strength and the power and the dominion of sin. That's why Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you. 
Praise God. He said that the righteousness, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came, this is the Christmas part of my message. He told Mary, he said, you shall name him Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. He will will destroy the works of the devil. He will break the strength of the law of sin. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So it is possible to walk in purity, holiness, and righteousness if you walk in the spirit. Some people that would teach that's impossible even with the spirit. I said, you're wrong. That's Bible. I don't take what people say. I take what the word of God says. And it is possible. It's possible. So Paul teaches us the answer to that power, powerful law of sin is a powerful Holy Spirit that frees us from it. So don't let the devil sell you the lie that sin is powerful and real, but God's Spirit is only theory. No, no. His power is greater. The Holy Ghost's power is greater. So you can overcome the things in your life. God can change your mind about things. He can give you a victory over jealousy. Amen. He can give you a victory over hatred and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. He can give you a victory over those lustful things. He can. God can. God can. He can do all things through you. If you'll walk in the Spirit, God's Spirit... It's great. It's powerful. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I can tell you, the body standing outside the tomb is who? Did you just get what I said? Let me say it again, Pastor. Who can deliver me from this body of death? The body that's standing outside that tomb with nail-scarred hands and saying, I'm alive and well. That's why they told him, why seek ye the living among the dead? (laughs) Hallelujah! (laughs) You want to know why people sit in churches and they can't seem to get victory over things in their life? Because you can't get life from a dead person. And there's a lot of dead people sitting in church that don't have the power of God. But then there are people who believe in the power of God. They believe in the power of the Spirit of God. And they see God do marvelous things. So who shall deliver me from this body of death? The body that's standing outside of the tomb that says I'm alive and well. Oh, I'm excited. Praise God. Now, this is the presence of the Father who tells us, leads us, influences us how to live holy. That Holy Ghost, His Holy Spirit. Note this. There are three laws, and I shared this, it referred to here. Law of of sin and death, law of the Spirit and life in Christ Jesus, and the law of Moses. Nothing confusing at all about that. We get that, right? Moses' law taught morally what was right and wrong. 
what was considered sinful to God and what was considered, you know, holy to God. But also, it shouts, the law does, that we broke his law probably around about uh, two or three years old. I can tell you, you broke the law. You say, well, we were born into this life with a sinful nature. Well, there's a sinful nature, but it does not have to live. But it comes alive around two years old. Amen. You ever seen a two-year-old and another two-year-old and one toy in a room? Or one cookie? Or something? And it seems like that no matter what that kid has in his hand, he wants what somebody else has. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I don't even work in a nursery, and I already, I already know how they behave. Amen. <laughs> so... But the law could not do anything but reveal a righteous God's character, thus what is right and wrong, and what sin is. That's why uh, this is recorded here. And he says in verse 3, and I've already read that, but I'll read it again. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin, sin in the flesh. You want to know why the cross was so horrific and barbaric and so brutal? And savage because that's the way sin is. That's how powerful sin is. God had to move in an even greater power. And he sent his only son. So that ought to tell you right there you can't break the power off of your life. Only God can. The power of sin and death. Only God can do that. And he can. Are you with me? He said, but Jesus came and he lived that law perfectly in verse 3 and condemned sin. The crucifixion forgives us, but it also empowers us. How does it empower us? You know, some people get right there at the foot of the cross and they receive forgiveness for, from, from God for their sins, but they never step into a spirit-filled life. Hey, let me tell you something. Thank God for the forgiveness of our sins and the, 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 the wrath that God took, the punishment, the judgment that, he took for, that Jesus took for us. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just say, I just want to justify you and I just want to forgive you. No, I want to pour out my spirit that you can walk in the spirit and be sanctified. He said, I didn't save you to forgive you of your sins, to continue to sin. No, I saved you to deliver you from that and fill you with the power of the Spirit so that you can overcome. It's a good message. Because it's the Word of God. Not because of the messenger, but because it's the Word of God and it's all there. It's right there. But the crucifixion forgave us. The Holy Spirit being dispatched empowers us. It empowers us to walk in the Spirit and fulfill God's will to produce Jesus' conduct and character. And verse 4, he says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You're never going to do it without the Holy Ghost, but you can with the Holy Ghost. You can with the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, 
the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So he breaks down two types of lives. Two types of life. Our life. A flesh and a spirit. you got to ask yourself this question. What am I walking in? The flesh or the spirit? I've walked in the flesh more times than I want to confess to you. But I have walked in the spirit too. And I know the difference. Amen. And the difference between the two is scripturally here, he said in verse 6. He said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we can have death if we live in sin. And we're going to have that. You say, well, we're going to die anyway, Pastor. That's because we're in a cursed world and this body has not been redeemed yet, but it will be. But our spirit man has come alive. That's why they call it born again in the Bible. Your spirit comes alive. You've been born again. You've come alive. You were dead until God brought you alive. Anybody alive tonight? Anybody feel the life of God in them? The spirit of God in them? So the difference is of the two between the flesh and the spirit is the flesh brings death and, and the spirit brings life and peace. God has made us more than conquerors. He didn't just save us, but he said not only do I want to save you and redeem you, but through this life I want you to overcome the things that are going to come after you get saved. I didn't just conquer once, but I made you a double conqueror. I saved you, forgave you, and I'm empowering you to overcome every day. You ought to get up every day. You don't, you know, you don't take the armor off because you're putting on Christ. <laughs> Some people say, well, I put my armor off, you know, went to bed. No, you wear that armor just all the time. <laughs> Amen. You don't leave your phone, do you? Hey, yeah. Woo. <laughs> Amen. You lose your phone, you're like, oh my gosh, where's my phone? But you forget to pray, you don't feel that way. Ooh. Get up here behind the pulpit. Keep that armor on all the time because you're putting on Christ. Amen. Come on now, treat your experience and your faithfulness to God and your spiritual experience or, or what you have in God greater than your concern and protection of your phone. I've had people say, oh, this is my life. My banking's on here. My social media's on here. My phone. This is my, this is my lifeline. I said, no, Jesus is your lifeline. In some ways, that's death to you. A lot of ways. Come on now. But you will be able to deal with whatever in life in peace. And even if the devil tries to disrupt your peace, you can be, you know, there's people that are saved. We're born again, but we still go through things that the devil wants to disrupt our peace. Because he said, if I can't get them to sin, I certainly want to bring terror and treachery and disruption and trouble to their life. So it's an awesome thing whenever you say, not only am I saved, but I ain't going to let the devil stir me up. I am going to be at peace, and you and I have life and peace in the Spirit when we walk in the Spirit. Verse 7, he said, 
because the carnal mind is enemy, in, the enemy against God or enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So let me share something with you. When we are unfaithful to God, we're not walking in the Spirit, and we don't want to be the enemy of God. Okay? Just remember that. When I'm not doing what God wants me to do, when I'm in love with the world, it says that the friendship of the world is the enemy of God. I don't want to be God's enemy. He's my father. I'm not saying that he doesn't love you. What I'm saying is that we don't want by our actions and our behavior and our decisions and our heart to become the enemy of God and be back where we were before, like we, when we were unsaved and we weren't serving God. But he said, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now listen, your flesh is, is God's enemy because it will not submit. It's rebellious. Anybody ever dealt with that? Yeah, I've actually dealt with some of you. People that have said, I will not. And I said, well, you're not telling me you will not. What you're saying is you're telling God you will not. When he says, this is what my word says, and you're not doing it. And you say, I don't care what the word of God says. I ain't doing it. And I said, well, you are the enemy of God. Because you are totally in blatant rebellion against God. And we know what the Bible says about rebellion. That's right. The, the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Amen. Because what you're saying is, I'm operating under a whole other spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Some of you are getting a... <laughs> you just got an epiphany. That's why whenever... Husband and wife, you know, they might get into a little kerfuffle, an argument, okay? And God says, go and ask them to forgive you or go to them and make it right. And that devil in you, that rebellious spirit says, no, you know what? They're going to come to me this time. Okay, so what you're saying is, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm doing what I want to do. And man does what he wants to do, but those ways are death. Okay? And if you don't deal with it when it's a little bitty weed, you're going to have a tree in your backyard or in your life. And then it's going to take deliverance. God's going to bring out his chainsaw, and that ain't fun. Come on now. all over the place. Verse 8 is a sobering reality. I believe those in the Spirit truly can please God. The Scripture says that. But He said, they that are in the flesh cannot. So when God is dealing with you, don't operate in your flesh. Be quick to obey the Spirit of God's prompting. When He tells you you're feeling this way and you need to get right feel this way towards somebody, have these feelings or these emotions. Or, and, and people think just because they have emotions that, that they're okay. No, they, sometimes we have emotions 
that are absolutely something that is carnal and sinful, and we have to bring them under subjection. Amen. There are people that get hurt over things because their pride was squashed. Amen. I mean, it's one thing if you've had somebody die in your life and you're grieving over them. God understands that emotion. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities and even the things that we go through. But, you know, it's one thing for God to come over and go, you know what, I'm going to wrap my arms around you and love you through the grief. But he's not going to come up and coddle somebody that is disobeying his spirit and his word. He's not going to come over there and wrap his arms around you and say, oh, I understand, you know, that which was carnal in your life was stabbed and you're all crying and you're all upset right now. No, he's going to say, you know what? You need to get up from here and you need to make things right. He does it in a loving, gracious way. Because he loves us. But the Bible says, he that is often reproved, you know, hardeneth his neck. The Bible says he's cut off without a remedy. I believe there are people that never forgive people and they die and you're going to, and this is, this is, this is just what I'm going to say. I'm not going to candy coat it. There are people that never deal with things in their life and they die and they split hell wide open because they never truly surrendered to God. They live their whole life bitter and unforgiving and they die that way. And Jesus said, if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. I didn't write that. I'm preaching it. That's the Bible. But moving on here. In verse 9, he says, But you are not in the flesh, thank God, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's a direct statement to us in verse 9. Don't live like you're none of His, but live like you're one of His. The whole premise of what I'm preaching tonight is that the Holy Spirit operates in us and He ministers to us. And, and it's, it's a Father figure speaking to us, ministering to us. It's the, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the Father. It's the Spirit of Christ. They are one. It's the same God, same Spirit. And so he says, don't live that way. Don't live that way. Uh, you know, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if any man has not the, the Spirit, he's none of his. And um, it's a direct statement to us. And in verse 10, he says, And if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You know, this body has to be brought under subjection. It's always wanting to do things it shouldn't be doing. It's always wanting to look at things it shouldn't be looking at. Always wanting to listen to things it shouldn't be listening to. Always wanting to feel in a way that it shouldn't. Amen. Always want, you know, people are just crazy today. You know, you're driving along and they cut you off and then they're mad at you. And I'm like, was I going too slow or what? I mean, for crying out loud, I'm going 80 miles an hour in the carpool lane, and how much faster do you want to go? If I could get over, I would. But I ain't going to get a ticket for you. Just slow your roll, buddy. Then they pass by you, and you're like, my goodness. 
If you wanted to fly, you should have got a ticket. But it means it's supposed to be dead, that body. Though Satan is always trying to resuscitate that. But I want you to think about it. When we come into the place where the Spirit of God comes upon us, we're conscious and we're accountable to live righteous. We're conscious that we are to be righteous and we're accountable. And in verse 11, I'm moving on here real quick. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. That is not just on that day when we're raptured or the resurrection of the body. But that is every day this body can get up and you can say, Today you're going to live for God. Today you're not going to allow. The Spirit's going to bring this mouth under subjection. When the devil wants you to look at something or say, Not today. I'm not doing that. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to listen to worldly music. I'm going to put on a preacher. I'm going to put on a worship service. Or a worship tape. And he quickens us. He quickens my spirit to live above carnal actions, feelings, and behaviors. Then he quickens us. And that's at the rapture of the church, as I said, but it's also my daily quickening. Because that new spiritual life rises up above death and the old sinful nature. I wrote this down and the Holy Ghost just gave it to me. He said, not only did Jesus, he rose from the grave, but he ascended. He said, just remember this. He rose from the grave and he ascended. And he said, my church is to live their life abundantly in the life and the spirit of God. But one day they're going to ascend up into heaven. Amen. So, we are... Verse 12, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are, are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And you notice he doesn't say we're debtors to God because I'm going to tell you why. We are not debtors to obey the flesh. And we are not in debt to pay God back. We could never repay him. However, we are lifetime bond servants to God. You hear me? We're lifetime bond servants. There's a bond between us and God, and it's a spiritual bond. And we surrender our life, and we do it humbly and willingly, not because we have to. Oh, there's people that are trying to work their way to heaven, and they fit. They try to do all these rules. My sister went to a church, and she was in the church the first service, and two ladies came back to her and told her, Honey, you know, if you're going to come to church here, you're going to have to come in. You're going to have to cut. You're going to have to let your hair grow long. Your hair's too short, first of all. Take off your makeup. Take off your earrings. You can't have any of that stuff. And next time, come in here with a dress on, not a pair of pants. Rules, 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 legalism, all of this stuff. I'm going to tell you something. God will dress you as you begin to submit to the Spirit of God. He will dress you. And, and, and if you look like a hooker before you came in here and got saved, once he saves you, he'll dress you. Amen? Amen. And, if, 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 and the Spirit of God will deal with you. I've watched God do it, male or female, doesn't matter. But to, for somebody to come in and you to say, if you want to be right with God, then you have to, you have to uh, uh, you know, conform to all these rules. That's legalism. That's man's rules. That is not the blood of of Jesus. That is not the power of the Spirit of God because every person works out their own salvation with fear and trembling. 
He's sanctifying every one of us individually. Amen. Now, everybody has the same Holy Ghost speaking to them, but not everybody has the same obedience. So we must obey. And we must know that we're bondservants unto the Lord. In verse 13, he said, For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In other words, with a life of accountability. But look how Paul transitions and shifts into a relationship with the Father. He's talking about a spiritual, you know, activity that's going on, a spiritual work. But then he goes right into... Amen. We're not debtors to that law. We're not debtors. We can't pay it back, but we live our whole life submitted to the Spirit of God, and God touches us so powerfully that you want to. You just want to. I had a, uh, was up at Living Waters one time. This was years ago, like probably 10, 12 years ago. And I said, This life has to come to a place where it's not a duty, but it's a pleasure and an honor. I had a man come up to me, he goes, wow. I said, you know, wasn't really, in my opinion, that profound. But he said, I'm telling you, you know, that's where I'm at, Pastor. And I said, God wants us to be bond servants, but that bond is the Holy Spirit. And Paul transitions into that. And it's service, but it's from a, a willing heart unto the Father. And this is where people get mixed up and they lose it. It's service. It's not debt. It's service unto God because we love Him. Then it's not a debt. You know, when you want to do something for somebody and, and they, there's no way they could ever pay you. There's no way they could ever, or they could ever take pay. And you could pay them. They're like, no, please, no. I just want to do it because I love you. I just want to do it because I love you. It's service, but from a willing heart unto the Father. The Holy Spirit leading you and I. I love to pray. I love to read. I love to fellowship because I love my Father, which is in heaven. In verse 15, he goes and he says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We must have a healthy respect and reverence and fear of God, but not a treacherous fear. And too many people every week I know we have to pray and ask God to forgive us for the things that we've done. But the devil will make sure that he hangs over your head a condemnation. And until you understand what I'm saying here tonight, you have a father in heaven that loves you, that has done everything that he could possibly do to bring you to a place to make you understand and to make you feel his love and his word. Everything's there, but people still Christian people, I'm not talking about non-believers, I'm talking about Christian people still feel, you know what, so condemned. And I said, do you realize that you have a Father in heaven that loves you so much? So much. We have to have a healthy fear, reverence, honor, but not a treacherous fear. God doesn't want you feeling like he's in Heaven with a hammer ready to just nail you. That's the way some people feel. They never enter into the joy of the Lord. That is their strength. 
I'm forgiven. Amen. He wants obedience out of love unto the Father. What a relationship we can have. And he said in verse 15, the latter part of it, he said, we have a cry unto our Abba Father. It's a spiritual cry. That's a spiritual groan and a spiritual cry. And in verse 16, he says, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The beauty of all of this is that the witness that we have in our spirit that we are his children. He loves us. He loves us. That's the beauty of all of it. And he said in 17, and if children and heirs and heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. Spiritual children, you know, we're going to experience conflicts. We're going to experience trials, sufferings. But we're also going to experience God's glory and His presence. And that's what God wants you to understand. Let me share a story with you that I've never told. I can't even believe that I'd never told this story before from my childhood. But I'm going to close with this story. I will say this, though. The remainder of that chapter, except for the last few verses, deals with the mystery of this experience in God. Why things happen. The groan down deep inside of us that is yearning for a, a, a world beyond this world. That's what that is. But what God's saying to us is, I give you my Holy Spirit, the power of it, and with this identity that I have a Father I can cry out to, and He loves me. Please, church, please you that struggle with condemnation and feeling low and feeling like every week, every day I'm not saved. Yes, you are. You've been blood bought, washed in the blood. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. God justified you. He's never changed his mind about that. But when we feel like we've when we've sinned, we feel like, oh, it's not going to matter the works that you do. It's not going to help you out. God just convicts us and deals with us by his spirit so he can clean us up. Because it's, it's, it's just, you know, but I, I'm going to hit that another time. But I just want to close with this and say, it's if you understand the power of your heavenly father and his love and how he pours out his spirit upon you so that you can live your life in confidence, confidence in God, not you, but in God, in Christ, in you. When I was a little boy, I was probably, my goodness, probably seven. Where we lived, we lived in my grandparents' house, my mom uh, and my brother and sister and I. This is when my mom, um, my parents first had gotten divorced and I was pretty young. And we had a yellow, I don't know if it's a hornet's nest or a yellow jacket's uh, nest. It was a big old, you know, like a, a beehive, but it's out there. But And uh, I think my brother got stung by one. Well, I was out there in the backyard and. I was just throwing stuff at that hornet's nest. Note to self, don't mess with the hornet's nest. Well, those hornets came out, and I ran for the, the front door. But I had a Doberman Pinscher dog that got stung a lot. Now, he, she lived, okay? <laughs> 
I mean, it's been 35 years ago or 40 years ago, but she lived, or 43 years ago, amen. She lived, had 12 puppies, amen. She was fine. But that broke my heart and my parent, my mom and my grandpa was there. And my grandpa got back there. And it's like, you know, what God was showing me today when he reminded me of this was that, you know, we're in this life and, and, and we're going to deal with the attack of the enemy. And we're even going to watch the things that happen around about us because of the attack of the enemy. Because the devil always attacks, attacks the most vulnerable. You know why people, you look at them and you think, my goodness, how did they get there? They don't have Jesus they don't have Christ. They don't have what you have, but they can. But you see them and you have a compassion for them. But my grandpa came out. And I mean, he pulled every tool out of the arsenal that we had. They tried to pull it off the fence. They shot it with a gun. And when that didn't work, he poured gasoline on that thing and he sent them all to Hades. God said, what you could not do, because in my seven-year-old wisdom, I was like, I'm going to knock that down with a rock. All I did was trying to do something for God in my mind, you know, do something noble, was stir up the devil. When you begin to serve God, that devil's going to be stirred up. And, 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 and you just get caught up in the whirlwind of that, the, you know, the, the hornet's nest being stirred up, you know. Because that devil's fine as long as you just, you just live for him. You don't do nothing. But when you begin to make headway, we're going to invade his territory. Ooh, he comes out with the stingers ready. My grandpa got out there, and I'm just going to equate him to God the Father. He went out there, and he knocked that hornet's nest off there, and he dealt with it a final death blow. That's what God did for us. When he sent his only son. He sent his only son. And you know the Bible even talks about how that. The agents of hell in Revelation are hornets. But one day that hornet's nest. That hornet leader is going to be dropped in that pit. And burn. The smoke will flow up in plumes up to heaven. I can tell you this much. God has defeated your adversary through his son and he's given us the power to walk in victory my question to you is why are you not i just preach to you the possibility of this you have to take that and live in it and walk in it i lived many years broken down but god said no more we are destroyed for lack of knowledge because we don't read the word of god and we don't ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us. But when he does, he empowers us. That's what we need. Coming into 2023, we need to live overcoming lives by the power of the Spirit of God. We don't want God's all of the power and authority and arsenal that he has to give to us to live overcoming lives to lay dormant. To lay dormant. But put those to application and use. And war, a good warfare, walking in the Spirit every day. Every day. And the greatest battle is in that mind. 
That's the greatest battle we deal with. Amen. Don't feel like I'm saved. Don't feel like I, I feel God. Don't feel this. Don't feel that. Don't go by your feelings. Go by what you know. I know the word of God. And I know his spirit is real in power. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God. Father, tonight I just come before you. And Lord, I thank you for the word of God. And I've done everything I know to do. And I'm just asking you right now, Lord, to begin to minister in this house, Lord, tonight. If there's somebody here who needs prayer, amen, that you touch them. Jesus.